Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one on one at Legacy Lake Sports Network. Hello, everybody. Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network, and you are back for another edition of One on One here on the Legacy Maker Sports Network. Network episode thirty-six. We're here in season two, right? Moving right along. Episode four in season two. We've had a uh, quite the list so far. Elton Brown, uh, former UVA. We've had Freddie Coleman from ESPN, and we had Derek Kelly of the New Orleans Saints. But today, I'm taking you to the podcast side of things. I'm taking you to the, the sports network side of things. A guy who understands what it takes to build your own brand, Mr. Jansen Harris of the Just Good Network. Jansen, how you doing, brother? I'm feeling good. I'm appreciative, man. It's Sunday. Sunday's always a good day for me. I'm happy to be on to talk to you, man. I'm happy to be on. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I look, I'm glad to have you, man. I got, uh, you know, like we talked about in the past, I'm like, I, I say to myself, like, man, there's this guy special, and I'm so glad to have you on. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And I know even after this, we're going to do some things together. I'm excited about that. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Now, let's get this party started, ladies and gentlemen, with the check-in. So, Jansen, I want to check in on you and your family, man, and just see how things have been going, uh, you know, through the pandemic, you know, just trying to handle everything that's going on, navigating through all of this craziness. How have you and your family and how are they doing? Everybody, luckily, man, in this pandemic, obviously, it wasn't expected, but everybody is is doing well. I'm doing good. I need to get my weight down a little bit, but I'm, I'm doing all right. You know, get some. I need to get <laughs> a little bit more exercise in, but outside of that, everything's fine, man. Everything's good. Appreciate you asking. Yeah, I mean, I think we all like I, I'm not even gonna say when it comes to weight, I could probably lose a couple 20. But you know, that's just that's just me. But yeah, that pandemic weight has been a little rough on a brother. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I actually probably after this, I'll probably hit the gym. I need to hit the gym <laughs> and get back to editing and stuff. But yeah, man, for real. Everybody's healthy. I'm healthy. I'm doing good getting that sleep in and just trying to stay protected, wear masks and stuff. Awesome. Awesome. That's what I like to hear, brother. Now, you know, for all of us in this journey, you know, when we started our sports journalism journey, you know, it had to come from somewhere. But, you know, every, we all had a love and a passion for sports. So where did your love and passion for sports? When was that first time when Jansen as a little kid said, man, this is it. This is this is this is what I want to do with my life. This is I love this sport. Where did that all happen? Probably when I was about five years old, I always knew, like, that's what I would do. And I say about 20 to 21, that range, I started taking things a little bit more seriously. I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. And I would say probably the last two or three years, it's been, like, serious, serious. As in, I'll 
do a lot of PA announcing. I would just cover high school games, do a lot of things like that, do anything really just to boost my broadcasting career up. I mean, I even filmed like ministries and stuff like that, did some voiceovers. So anything to just make me sound better, period, even in just broadcasting. I love sports, obviously, but broadcasting, period. I just wanted to be a better broadcaster, continue that. A lot of the guys I work with, we, we talk about accountability a lot. Like some of these coaches, we talk about getting better, just little things mm-hmm. like doing tongue twisters, just just a- any little thing just to make you sound better. Any little thing like, hey, take this piece of piece of news, read it off, post the video, see what people say, gaining tough skin. So I, as a kid, I always wanted to do it. And as I get older, and continue to get older. I just want to get better. And the people around me that I'm working with, we, we all just need to get better and work harder and hold ourselves accountable. So I think when, when that happens, that's when you get better. When, when you, when you don't sniff your own Kool-Aid or drink your own Kool-Aid, that that's when you start to get better. And, and, and that's what just needs to happen. You feel me? Yeah, I feel you completely, you know, and you know, you said something about the Connecticut school of broadcasting. It's funny. I remember as when I was a youngin, uh, I'm getting old now, but when I was a youngin, I remember looking at that as one that, you know, when I was probably about 2021, 20, I said, man, I thought about going there myself. I never made the leap, but tell us about your journey in the Connecticut school of broadcasting. How was that for you? For me at first, to be real, it was a little overwhelming. I was really excited. I was really excited. And I had to get over that hurdle with, because really, if you just go to the school, it's not to me, in my opinion, it's not really just going to help you. But the thing that was cool about the school is you have complete access to it. So basically all the studios, you can run a show through there. You could go there and, and just do cold reads, which is basically just read, just reading off the prompter, stuff like that. Sit at a news desk. So I, for me, I just start taking advantage of that, going up there a couple times a week, trying to go there as much as possible just to get better and stuff like that. So. It was really interesting. They showed you how to shoot cameras, showed you how to edit. You you met different people in the industry. I remember Mike Conti, he was one of my teachers and stuff like that. And I really, there's a lot of broadcasters out here who, in my opinion, some of them get too much credit. Some don't get enough credit. He's one of those guys I feel like don't get enough credit just because he, he was one of those guys that he could do many different things. He could do, he could anchor, he could do play by play. He could be the guy to give his opinion. And I always respected guys like that. Also, Paul Crane, we have conversations all the time. I feel like he was one of those guys who they have a complete broadcasting game. And that's something I'm continuing to work towards and was looking for is not just being able to do one thing, but okay, I could do this. I could do this. I could do the Mike, the the greeny thing and and just shift from question to question, topic to topic. So I just try to get better at doing things like that. You know, it's crazy because uh, I think, you know, when I first started, um, you know, in this journey, uh, I got a chance to speak to Andy Katz uh, and I asked Andy Katz because we were fresh in it. We were just trying to figure out, man, what steps do we take in this journey? And I asked him, I said, Andy, man, what do you what do you do? Like 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 for a small you know, media company like ourselves, what do we do to grow? He said, do it all. Start locally, grow and branch out. And I've taken that with me every step of the way. And, you know, from going from doing photography to broadcasting games from, like you said, just doing you try to do a little bit of everything. So you're versed in everything in the industry. And I don't think people realize how how tough that can be, but it does make you better. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's just crazy because some people, man, it. It, it, it depends on how they view things. You feel me? But right. I, I think gaining tough skin at this point for me is just gaining tough skin because when I first started doing it, everybody's happy for you. You feel me? Everybody's like, right. oh, 
putting out information. Good for you. This is this. Now it's at the point where it's like, especially Twitter and you know, the internet is and just people, you put certain takes out there. People are ready. They're ready to jump down the road. They start, they start giving you that respect, but a lot of it's that respectful hate. You feel me? So it's just adjusting at this point, adjusting to that growing off of it and thinking, okay, how can I build a team around me, a successful team and, and push the team? Because a lot that could happen and I, and I see it all the time, man, is you just people get wrapped up in just doing the minimum, do the minimum. OK, I'm getting by. I'm talking about what I want to talk about. I'm not really working hard. I'm not pushing myself. So that that's what it comes down to. I feel like is and I'm no expert where it's like I know everything. I'm just saying just continue to get better by, by pushing yourself, stepping out of that comfort zone. So those are the type of conversations I have with a lot of the people I work with is, hey, stepping out of that comfort zone. How can we get better day by day? You feel me? Little things like that. You know, it's it's funny that you bring it up. I, I, I you know, I kind of wanted to, you know, pick your brain a little bit on, you know, how you started your brand, you know, how, how you built, you know, how'd you help build that team at the Just Good Network? I mean, I, I know as a person who's been there, you know, trying to find the right people, the right people in the puzzle who want to take it to the next level. Uh, tell us how, how that got started, uh, you know how things are going, and um, if you have any advice for anybody out there that's trying to do the same. Thank you. I, pre- I always appreciate this question. Well, for me, it really started because I would go on different shows. I would do things for different internet radio stations and stuff like that. And at first it was cool. I was doing a lot of interning. I was playing a small role, really running the board. But then I was given more responsibility just to like basically build the sports department up and create shows, but it really wasn't under my brand. So what would end up happening is I'd be working with people just to be transparent that basically had the same amount of power as me, but weren't doing like 90% of what was going on. Like I was finding the, the interns, I was, I was doing this, doing that. So that's what made me say, okay, well, I'm not going to hold myself back because maybe this guy doesn't want have that same vision or this guy doesn't want to do his part respectfully obviously but you feel me you got to step outside of that because a lot of times you could be in a situation where you're really lebron james now say i need to just just go with it lebron but you're kind of in a you're kind of in a smaller role or we don't know whose team it is so for me it was just a matter of positioning and stuff and not wanting to hold a team back because when you got people looking at you like you're the leader of it but then there's certain your hands are tied with a lot of things. That that's what it was for me. My hands were tied, and even when I was doing some stuff at 680 the fan, it was like, yes, you could do this, but a lot of times you can't do this. You, we are not going to show you this. You can't learn this. We already have the system in place. So for me, it was just like, look, if I want to drop content, I'm doing it. If I want to go grab the camera and and prop it up, do a stand up with a mic, I'm doing it. If I want to do right. a segment like from right here, put the camera on me, I'm doing it for my desk. So if I want to go live, I go live. I want to just do a selfie video to talk about what's important. And that works, man. Let, let me tell you how things are going now is, and this is interesting. Let's talk about Eric Harris. He just signed with the Falcons, a CFL player, played for the Saints for a year, played for the Raiders. Not people, not a lot of people know too much about him unless you really are following the Falcons. Right. So even niche content like that dropped a video on him, just a little two, two, two and a half minutes talking about him as a competitor. And I always respected he was undrafted, then CFL, worked his way up, hungry guy. He might not be a star, maybe it won't start, but the point is, I dropped that video on Twitter and stuff like that little niche video. He retweeted it. He he likes a lot of the stuff. People appreciate that, that niche content right there. So I think 
when I look at how things are going, it's just finding better ways to engage with people, listening right. to what people are saying. Like, hey, yeah, we can come up here and talk about LeBron all day, but you got to know your market. Hey, talk about this locally. Talk about this. You could be the best guy here. You feel me? So that's right. how I look at it. Like, hey, I'll talk about some stuff even from back in the day. You feel me? Try to bring it out and j- just to educate myself. So I would say things are going well. Some people, they're seeing the work and they're wanting to work together and, and just get better. Like me and you, Daryl, after this, we could do some things. Similar right. vision. We, we finally got getting this, getting it out the way. Do, in there, this, baby. And I'm loving the conversation. You feel me? I'm loving the conversation. Right. So uh, right now things are going well. The people I'm working with and the people who who hopefully I can work with in the future, they, they take their game seriously. And, and I respect that. I just want to work with people who are serious about what they got to do, open-minded. So it's like we can go to the drawing board. But I think as social media grows so much, as the broadcasting game consistently changes, mm-hmm. it's just important that I keep myself educated and right. learn first mentality Never drinking your own Kool-Aid just because somebody thinks you're this or somebody doesn't think you're that. So for me, the educational part is very important and, and noticing what's changing in the industry. So that, that's what I need to continue to focus on and the people around me need to focus on. Well, I will say, I mean, and, and I've told you this, I, I I love your style. I love the hard work. And I, I did see the video on Eric Harris and I said to myself, like, and that's, that's, that's good stuff because you're right. I think people on the local level, um, really appreciate that local stuff. Yeah, we do stuff with, you know, it, we can do stuff anywhere across the nation. We'll talk JJY signing with the Cardinals. We'll talk that stuff. But in the end, our bread and butter is talking VCU basketball, talking UVA basketball, UVA football. Uh, you know, we, we try to tackle those teams in our area because, you know, that's where our fan base is truly going to grow from. And, and so that's what I can appreciate that because I've seen, because I've seen the hard work you put in down there in ATL and I love it. I love it. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. And look, especially in Atlanta here, there's the market is so big, man. The market is so big. There's a lot of people who you could just network with email. There's just so much stuff, so much stuff. I, I love it here in Atlanta. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'll probably be back in New York in the next three, four years. You feel me? <laughs> Broadcasting in New York. Right. I, I always find like the best broadcasters either broadcast in New York or, or, or born in New York. So that, that's one of the things I want to do. But for now, I'm in Atlanta. So ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. All right, everybody. Now it's time for my favorite segment of the show. It is time for quick ones. This is the Jansen Harris edition of quick ones. Jansen, are you ready for quick ones, sir? I'm ready. All righty. All right. Go. Let's start this off with a, with a, with one of my favorites. I love, and I I ask everybody this one because it's, it's just interesting to hear what people have to say about it. Give me your favorite sports moment. This one right. is hard, right? This, one is, this one's hard because it's like this, there's so many moments that I look at. I'm just like, man, ah, oh, man, I'm. T- I'm gonna say, I got a oh, man. I don't know. I got a couple. One of them. I'm not even. A, I wasn't toss even alive. There. Toss them out. Toss a couple of them in there. All right. Couple of them so in there. my favorite sports moment was probably, and and this is weird because I, I was a big Ali guy, even though I wasn't alive then. I, my middle name is Ali. But 
when Joe Frazier, I remember I, I watched, I, I forgot what documentary it was. They were talking about his first fight with Ali, and they said he hated him so much. He couldn't stand him so, and he, he wanted to win the fight so badly. They said he would have literally died before he lost that fight, and that really <laughs> stuck with me. Seriously, it really stuck with me. It was like, this man is taking this so seriously, his job so seriously he would have died before he quit on that. And, and I know the whole story. Ali won number two and number three, yes. But to me, that stuck with me saying he was so serious, hated him so much, <laughs> wanted to prove himself so much that that he went to that that it would have been those lanes. That that's the there was the feeling around it. So I would say that's my that's the sports moment that I always look at. Also, because I was in New York when this happened too. I remember New England back in 2007, that season they had Randy Moss, Tom Brady, and, and being a Jets fan, you, you just hated to see what was going on with New England. They were they were so great throughout the regular season. I know the Giants, I believe it was week either 16 or 17, probably 17. They pushed 17, 17. Them. They pushed them a little bit, but they ended up losing that game. And I guess the Giants, they just learned a lot from that. And then upsetting them in the Super Bowl, that goes up there too. And I'm not and I'm gonna throw this one in. Mayweather. I remember I was always a big Mayweather guy. I always respected him. I, I know all the flash past all the flashy cocky stuff. I always just thought he was downplayed and when he beat Pacquiao, even though it should have happened probably in 2009, just right. to be real, right. when he beat Pacquiao, it, to me, I felt the sense of relief. Like, you know what? It, it finally happened. He's finally getting the credit he deserves. It's one of the most disrespected champions I've seen in my life. So it, that was one of my moments right there as well, too. It would have been Carmelo winning the championship, but it didn't happen. So <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the next one of the championship. Hey, look, he got it in Syracuse. That's the only that's the yeah. only year in the NCAA tournament. That's the only year I've actually picked the champion. Back in 03, my high, my senior year, I picked Syracuse to win it. I actually had three of the teams in the Final Four. Uh, Marquette, I picked Marquette. I picked uh, Kansas, and I had picked Syracuse. And I just – that's the only year I've ever gotten it right. Illinois lost. They've destroyed me this year. It's over. So I'm not even thinking about that. But I, I just think it's funny because uh, I just it just happened. It just happened. But I like that. I like I like that list. I like that list. So now uh, next one. Uh, give me your worst sports uh, moment. <laughs> oh, OK. Worst sports moment, yeah. man. And I was really pissed off at this time. This is when Rex Ryan was the coach of the Jets. Uh, the Jets were down like 24-0 in the AFC Championship game to Pittsburgh in 2009. And we started coming back, coming back, and we end up losing. It was a heartbreaker because as a Jets fan, you know, that. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't get many times where you get this far in the playoffs. So, sadly enough, that's probably my worst sports moment, to be real. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. Last year, <laughs> last year was my worst sports moment. During the lottery. Being a Knicks fan, I could not believe we got the third pick in the draft. I swear, I was about to—I was about to cry. That was the one of the worst days of my life. Seriously, oh. us Knicks fans were so delusional. Like we, we always think, even though things are going well now, I, I wanted Zion so badly. He would—he would have just been a superstar in New York. So that's fair. my worst. It's just not fair. I don't know why the Knicks keep. And it's crazy because they've had bad records. They didn't get the luck that the Sixers got. The Sixers yeah. was getting one or two every year. And the Knicks seem like that four, five. I'm like, why are they not getting one of these top? Why can't they get the first pick in the draft? It's the craziest thing. And I felt bad for the organization because I really thought I said, this is going to be the one. They're going to get Zion. It's going to change that franchise around big time. And then, and I saw it and I said, man, Knicks fans can't win. They can't win. <laughs> they just can't win. 
Yeah, man. It's it, it's right now we're doing okay. We'll see we'll see how it goes. But I felt like if we got Zion, I was like, look, basketball in the NBA is going through New York, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how yeah. things go. <laughs> it's funny. I had Freddie Coleman on the last episode from ESPN Radio, and Freddie is a Jets fan. And Freddie told me his worst sports moment was back in 1998 when uh, the Broncos were taking uh, the Jets were taking in the Broncos in the AFC Championship game, and they were up ten to nothing. And then my man Elway threw this pass to uh, uh, Ed McCaffrey across the middle, and from that point on, the rest of the game changed. He's like that was he felt like that was their best chance to get back since uh, he's been a fan, or since you know since he's been a fan of the team. So. <laughs> I thought that was like, I was like, God bless him, man. It's all right, though. It's going to come around for y'all. It's going to come around for you. <laughs> now, speaking of the Jets, we got to talk Jets. So I'll ask you this. Uh, give me your update right now on, on the Jets in, in your mind. Like, what do you see? You know, they've, they've made some good signings here in the offseason. Uh, you got Carl, uh, Carl Lawson and then uh, Corey Davis coming in there and a couple of other good guys. But give me your thoughts on your, on your squad, man. Give me your thoughts on the Jets. Well, I'm glad that Joe Douglas finally listens to the fan base, starts spending some money. I like both moves. I, I hope and pray they both stay healthy through these contracts because it, it just happens like that with the Jets. We either don't sign our young players or guys get hurt or just they just don't produce when we give them big money. Now, when I look at when I look at the receiver position, I think the Jets finally they finally put something around Sam Darnold. And I think they should keep Sam Darnold because he's shown us flashes. He's shown that he's the hope of the Jets offense because there isn't much around him. They could have signed Robbie Anderson, but they didn't want to. They didn't value him. And he became a pretty good deep threat with Carolina, who needs a quarterback as well. I think the Jets right now, what they need to do, they got Corey Davis that what they trade back and get a, a top receiver. I think in a top 10, get yourself another receiver and help out Sam Darnold. I, I don't think they should get Zach Wilson. That's what everybody's talking about. Or maybe some people, some GMs view, or Douglas, maybe he views Fields as still the second best player available. I, I just hope the Jets trade back. I don't think they should get a quarterback at that at that spot. But look, Carl Austin, I think he stays healthy. He's definitely going to put a, a, a big-time pass rush for the Jets. He's definitely going to get to the quarterback. He's going to be one of those guys who consistently get back there. And he's shown in his career. I just hope he stays healthy. That's going to be the key. Right. Yeah, he's had some issues in his career. So that would be a nice thing to see. Had a good year last year, hoping that he will do better. Uh, you know, it's funny. I got to see Sam Donald play not this year, but the year, the year before last. Uh, when they played the Washington football team. And I saw the flashes. Like, I, I really do think he just needs some stability. God, you know, he has not had stability since he's been there. Then he had mono, I think. You know, he's been he yeah. dealt with some things. So it's like he just needs a year where he can start off fresh and just really get that consistency going. That's the only thing. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's, you know, some of these quarterbacks that get drafted to a team that's struggling – and they expect the world from them now because you see certain quarterbacks come in and they knock it out the park right out the bat. And it's like, well, what about you, Sam? What are you going to do? Like you got to give some people need time. They just, and it's the way the NFL works today. That just doesn't happen. Absolutely. I hundred percent agree with that. Now let's swing to the Atlanta Falcons. Got to talk a little Atlanta Falcons because you're down there in the area and the Hawks, you know, tell me about the Atlanta scene right now, man. What's going on in the Atlanta scene with the Hawks and in the Falcons? Well, in Atlanta, there's a huge divide. You've got half of the town, like me, who think that Matt Ryan is declining 
and they need to start looking towards the future with Arthur Smith, their new coach in place, and Terry Fontenot. Shout that he got this job at, at this young age as general manager. They need to turn the page and start building towards the future, a new culture in Atlanta. And then you have the other half of Atlanta who they want to tr- trade back and put some more pieces around Matt Ryan and, and or beef up the defense, defensive line, which they do have some holes, or they want to get P- uh, Pinnell Sewell at number four, or they want to get Kyle Pitts, the tight end that everybody's talking about. He's leaping potentially top five. I remember when the whole process started, when it was college football ended, it was like he was, okay, top 15, maybe top 20. Now people are talking about top five, I guess, when they review the tape again. So, and, and you know how some of these mock drafts are, man. Sometimes <laughs> it could be BS wow. or you know, they just move guys up and down. So right. that's the word in Atlanta when it comes to the Hawks, excuse me, when it comes to the Falcons. Now the Hawks on the other end, firing Lloyd Pierce and it was another 50-50 thing. Fans here were happy. And there's other fans here who they looked at it like, well, it's not his fault. There was injuries, which is true. And they still have injuries. But since Nate McMillan was named the head coach, they're eight. and No, they're playing defense. They're stopping people. They're playing with more intensity on an intensity period. You got a team in the Hawks who are just like the Falcons where the fourth quarter comes around. They forget how to play. So now the Hawks right now, they're committed to playing defense against the Lakers. It was a third quarter. Lakers only scored 12 points. We know that LeBron was out in AD, but at the end of the day, that was a game they probably would have lost if Lloyd Pierce was the coach. So right now this team is riding high. They're the fourth seed. They're looking pretty good. Hawks are looking pretty good. And the Falcons, it's, it's, it's a 50, 50 thing. We don't know what's going to go on. How underrated is Nate McMillan? I mean, you know, he was in Indiana for those years and yes, they may have not in some people's eyes, maybe it got as far, but, he was, he's a really good coach. You know, he was good in Portland. He's good there. You know, he comes in here and he's, he's eight. No, I mean, how underrated is Nate McMillan? I, I, that's just me. I don't know, man. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Nate McMillan. And what I like about him is the mentality is like, Hey, okay. This game back when he was the assistant coach, we played bad. These adjustments we got to make. We have to set the tone defensively. And you could see that. You see a John Collins who he played, and, and a lot of credit I got to give to John Collins. He's He played well before, but now he looks even more calm. He looks like a guy who's not worried about the contract situation because Atlanta, they're a little hesitant on giving him the contract that he wants. So his future's a little bit cloudy. So shout out to how he's played. Clint Capella. And I was critical of Clint Capella in his role in Houston. I thought maybe offensively he would have showed us a little bit of something, but I guess that's not the type of player he is. But defensively, he stepped up and really anchored this defense. And his rebounding speaks for itself, leading the league in rebounds per game. So Clint Capella and John Collins and Trey Young talked about it yesterday after the Lakers game. They've really become a really good duo. I, I love I love what's happening down there for the Hawks, man. If they can keep that thing up and the way the East has been this year, we will never know. I mean, yeah. they, they could they could make a run. They could make a run. Now, last one here on quick ones. I like to go random on the last one. So let's see, pick your brain a little bit. I want you to give me your top three music artists. You can do right now. You can do all time. Your choice. Oh man, <laughs> well, this is tough. This is tough. Let me get let me get MJ at one. Okay, my man, my man. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, MJ okay. at one. A little bias. Go ahead, continue. <laughs> it's weird because I would have said Wayne, Little Wayne at two. When I was a kid, I used to love Little Wayne. When I was in right. high school and middle school, well, I can't stand Little Wayne now. I don't know. <laughs> Let me get. 
Let me get, I don't care. Let me get Drake at two. Okay, okay. <laughs> he probably got, got not the second best artist ever, but I don't care. I'll put Drake at two. And let me get mm, this is tough. Man. I, like, I like that. I love tripping people up. I like to make people think. So every episode, <laughs> I'm like, if I can just get one, they'll be like, ah, okay. So you got one. Got one and let me get, out. you know, I've been listening to some recently. Let me get my. Throw in Mike Jones. I've been listening to Mike Jones a lot. Mike bit. Jones. <laughs> Back then they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all hey, Mike hey, Jones, hey, man. Hey, I don't hey, care. Mike hey, Jones. Hey, Shout out hey, to Mike Jones. I, I can deal with that. Okay. MJ. We got MJ Drake <laughs> and Mike Jones. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. <laughs> Mike Jones probably shouldn't even be close to a, a, one of those top lists, but I'm giving a shout out today. I don't care. Oh, I love it. It's I Sunday. Hey, at least you didn't say bone crusher. If you just said bone crusher, we might have had we might have had to talk about that one a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to go with T.I. Hey, hey. I mean, Tip, man, I could I, I could, I could, see you going with Tip on that one. I wouldn't have been mad at that. All right, everybody. <laughs> That's a Jansen Harris edition of Quick Ones here on One on Ones. And before we get off of here, first of all, I want to thank Jansen for coming on and being a part of this episode and being one of the, the good and great up-and-coming uh, sports journalists in the game. But before we leave, Jansen, I got to ask you, brother, you got any special projects going on? And I want to know about the legacy, man. What type of legacy you want to leave uh, in the sports journalism world? Well, projects I have going on right now, I'm actually going to work on it when we get off, is I'm working on a piece on the Falcons, their 1980 season, one of the best successful seasons they had, just really dissecting that. I, I talked about a couple of the players, but I really want to put together a good story, maybe five to six minutes. So hopefully I can finish that up today. That's one thing I need to get around to and and doing some, <laughs> sounds kind of lame, but some posting on TikTok, some of the sports content put on there, because that's a really good avenue as well too. So doing that. And when we talk about legacy, I say when I'm done with the game, I want to be remembered as, as just one of the best to do it. Just one of those guys who... Okay, he had a complete broadcasting game. I might not have liked him, but he was one of the most skilled broadcasters to ever do it. So if we're talking about legacy, yeah, just up there with the Stuart Scotts, who I thought what is the best ever. Just just mention with some of those guys. I, I want people to just take me seriously and, and everybody around. And I just want to be remembered as a guy who, when people are broadcasting with me, they could say, look, I got better. I had to bring my A game when I was broadcasting with Jansen or shoot. I, I hated him because he was he was really good and, and he helped me get better. Or, or we really just made, did some great broadcasting stuff together. So when I look about legacy, that's how I, I want to be remembered when I, when I hang up the mic. <laughs> Drop the mic, baby. There we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, once again, I want to thank you all for tuning in to episode 36 of one-on-one here on the Legacy Makeup Sports Network with our man Jansen Harris of the Just Good Network. Jansen, go ahead and shout out your platforms, brother, so everybody can know. Okay, guys, go follow me. Literally every social media platform, Just Good Network, going to start going live more. That's what the people are asking for. We're going to do it. So we're going to start doing that. Hit me up on my personal page, Jansen Harris. Inbox me. With, with suggestions, hit me up if you want to talk sports. Uh, Gwinnett Sports Network, shout out to them. We're about to start doing more stuff locally in the high school area again and even more youth stuff. Not even just high school, middle schoolers, elementary, we're about to get back out there and do our thing. COVID couldn't stop it. So, yeah, and uh, Petty Sports, shout out to Petty Sports. We're doing a sports show on Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. You guys can watch that on YouTube, watch it on Facebook. So, those are projects we got going on. I love it. I love it. You know, I'm telling you, man, it's that, it's that local mentality, brother. People just don't know how underrated it is. 
for those out there in the game, if you want to learn, you can learn from this gentleman here, Mr. Jansen Harris. I'm Darrell Owens of the Legacy Maker Sports Network. Thank you all once again for tuning in. Until next time. One, 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 one. Welcome to the one-on-one, one-on-one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one-on-one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one-on-one at Legacy Maker Sports Network.